Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm Helen. I'm Angie. And we're going to be with you guys this morning, this afternoon, or whenever you're watching. Uh, so hello, whether you're watching live, whether you're watching on demand, or whether you're listening on our podcast. Indeed. It's good to have you with us. Hope you've had good weeks. We've had good weeks. I've been away this week. Yeah, I've had a busy week of work, but buried and fun. So good. I'll take that. Buried and fun. That is good. It's good for a week. Let us know how your week's been. Um, we're carrying on this morning. Martin is carrying on our new sermon series. Yes. I missed last week. So the series is Church Rebranded. Church Rebranded. Uh, which Daz spoke about last week, which okay. I loved. Um, I haven't caught up yet. Was it good? Yes, it was good. I enjoyed it because it's a church rebrand is a bit of a scary title. Yeah. So they'll be like, oh, we're going to change everything again mm. and blah, blah, blah. But actually, it's not about sort of what we do within a church service, like being something new and different. It's about the global church going back to what Jesus actually okay. originally called us to do. And so actually, rebranding by going backwards. Okay. Um, Sounds it's good. great. Oh, well, I will listen to that one. But um, so today Martin's talking about, oh, I wrote it down. Where's it gone now? Going back to basics. Thank you very much. I knew that. Going back to basics, which I'm looking forward to. Yes. I think it's basically going to be talking about love today. Oh, well, don't get more basic than that. Do don't you? get more basic than and that. And very appropriate on today, which is Remembrance Sunday. So let's, shall we watch the video that reminds us about the series? Let's do that. Let's do that. From beloved to blamed, the church's image is in free fall. Can we rebrand without compromising our beliefs? Let's own our faults, shape our image, and share Jesus' life-transforming message. The Church Rebranded Sorted. That's what it says on the tin. Yeah, sounds great. I love it. Um, and with that idea about you know going back to... Um, what Jesus taught us and actually those original sort of teachings, um, not what was added and changed and whatever by the Pharisees, if you listened to last week. Um, but actually looking at God being big and great and amazing um, and actually, which is why we can come and worship. Um, let's listen to a song or sing the song or do whatever you want to a song. Um, let's listen to Lion and the Lamb, which talks about just that. Coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow down, and every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. Is roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. So open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings. Our God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. 
Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah, roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Who can stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb. Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world, his blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Every knee will bow before him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we come on this special day. Um, but we come, thank you, we come before the God who is the lion and the lamb. Father, we thank you that you are all things, that you are you are big and strong and mighty and can do more than we can imagine. And yet we recognize that you came and you gave yourself for us so that we could have relationship with you and be reunited uh, with our Father. Father, we thank you today that we can rest in the knowledge that everything is in your hands and we thank you in jesus name amen mm. amen so remembrance day up and down the country and uh people will be remembering um and a couple of years back martin did a um he made a film um, about one of the people whose name is on the memorial in hawley yeah so it's be really good to revisit that and watch that this morning so um so sit back and enjoy this um from, from martin All over the country are memorials like this one in Hawley, covered in names, names of those who died in the two world wars of the last century. 
I know that as I was a kid, whenever I saw a memorial like this, I always looked for my surname. In fact, I still do. Unfortunately, I have a fairly uh, uncommon surname, so I've never managed to find it. But I guess what I'm trying to do is to find some sort of connection with the people whose names are on the memorial. Because the reality is, I don't know who these people are. I don't know what they did. I don't know what their interests were. And although I know that they died in war, I don't know how they died. Probably the most well-known name that can be found on this memorial is Henry Weber. In fact, if you come to this Garden of Remembrance, you can find an information board that tells you more about who he was. Henry Weber was born in Tunbridge in 1849, but settled in Hawley, where he became a prominent member of society, being involved in many local organisations. However, when his three sons went to serve in the First World War, he decided to follow them. The only problem was that he was 66 years old, 20 years past the army's age limit. Initially rejected, Henry persevered until he was finally given a commission in the 7th South Lancashires, a new army battalion. Henry performed his duties well and was readily accepted in the battalion despite his age. When the battalion was sent to the line, Henry's role as transport officer meant he remained at a safe distance from the battle. On the 21st of July 1916, the 7th Lancashires relieved a battalion near the front line and Henry Webber took supplies to them as was usual. Leaving his men to unload the horses, Henry walked over to a group of soldiers when out of nowhere a single German shell exploded nearby. Twelve men and three horses had been hit and Henry Webber was knocked unconscious by a blow to the head Weber never regained consciousness, and at the age of 67 years, Henry Weber became the oldest British soldier to die at the Somme. Henry's death was noted in many high places, and his family received letters of sympathy from royalty as well as the Army Council. Henry was buried in Dartmoor Cemetery, but his name appears on the Hawley War Memorial. See, most names that are on here aren't as well known as Henry Weber, but it doesn't mean that they weren't important. It doesn't mean that they weren't real people who, are, who were mourned. See, there are 122 names on this memorial. There's another 100 names that weren't included on this memorial for whatever reason, with an average age of 27 years. Each one known, each one a real person. And it's important that on days like this we remember these people. A blessing. Send us out to be beacons of peace in a dark world of conflict. Make us instruments of peace for whoever we meet and wherever we go. In the name of the Prince of Peace, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. An amazing story incredible yeah amazing story we often think there's you know no one super sort of impressive has come out of Hawley when everyone goes oh who's famous from your town I go to Faye White yes. she's the only person I can think of who used to be you know play oh. for the lionesses she's the yeah. only person who I ever think of
But actually, what I seem to be more famous for. His story is incredible. Yeah, incredible. And the fact that he signed yeah. up just because his sons were, and he was like, well, that's not fair. I'm coming too. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. It's like, I am. Um, and it's funny, isn't it? Because as, as we sort of move further away from the from the, the the two world wars, you know, it's easy to think that that's that's all in the past, isn't yeah. it? And we're remembering something that was a long time ago. But you know, we know there are still wars going on. You know, going on around us, and probably still everybody has memory of somebody you know who has served or has been in. Obviously, yeah. you know, my my dad. It yeah. was he went to Malaya. My dad did obviously. You know, my dad and my granddad. Yeah. My granddad was in India. Um, and he wrote his memoirs, and so which we've had made into a little book, and it's it's fascinating, amazing. It's fascinating yeah. reading to read. You know what life really was like, and I think you know we are we're doing a disservice if we don't stop every year and and remember. Um, but equally, we need to remember those who are, you know, who are still so fighting, still there, still fighting, still fighting, you know, and, still fighting for our country. Yeah, and those who are fighting for our country and other countries. Yes, like you know, yeah, yeah. we think at the moment about. Israel and Gaza, you know, as yeah. an example. Yeah. And it's very easy to forget now that Israel and Gaza is in the media. Ukraine and Russia is yeah, still very much a thing. Right. And absolutely actually, right. you know, we've got, you know, Ukrainian families in our church who know people and things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to stop. We're going to uh, listen to the last post. Then we're going to observe the two minute silence. Um, and then we'll have the Rivali after that. So let's be quiet.
Heavenly Father, on this solemn day of remembrance, we gather together with heavy hearts to honour and remember those who have sacrificed their lives in the service of peace and justice. We lift up our prayers for all those who have fallen in the line of duty, not only in the past, but also in the ongoing conflicts around the world most notably in Ukraine and the troubled lands of Israel and Gaza. We remember the brave men and women who have given their lives to protect the innocent, to defend freedom and to stand against oppression. We pray for their families and loved ones who continue to bear the weight of their absence. As the global conflicts persist today, we ask for your guidance and wisdom for world leaders and diplomats so that they may find paths to peace and reconciliation. May they seek to understand one another and strive for peaceful resolutions to these conflicts. We pray for the people of Ukraine who endure the hardships of fear of war. May they find strength and courage in the midst of turmoil and may their cries for peace be heard by the world. Bring comfort to those who have lost loved ones and grant them the assurance that their sacrifices were not in vain. We also remember the people of Israel and Gaza who live in a, in a region marked by conflict and division. We ask for an end to the cycle of violence and for a just and lasting peace to prevail. Help us all to recognize the humanity in one another and work together to build bridges of understanding and cooperation. Lord, grant us the resolve to continue to work for a world where conflicts are resolved through dialogue and where the sacrifice of those who have served and suffered will inspire us to pursue lasting peace and justice. Help us strive for a more peaceful and harmonious future. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Read by Brian. Beautiful. I love that man's voice. He's got a beautiful voice, yeah. Got a great praying voice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's um it does cause you to sort of stop, doesn't it? You sort of when you take that two minutes. One of the things it always reminds me of is how, how very unusual it is to be quiet for two minutes. Yeah. Um as we were sort of sitting here, sort of the three of us in the room, um, just in silence for two minutes, and that's it's unusual. Yeah. Um, and I, I 
don't mind saying, don't deal well with silence. And so it's even more strange. I'm like, oh, this is not, it's not a comfortable space for me yeah. to be quiet for 30 seconds, mm. let alone two minutes. Yeah. But actually that in itself is like, oh, but compared to, you know, being in the trenches, oh, I'll, I'll be quiet for two minutes. Yeah, so I mean, like, actually, this is uncomfortable. This is awkward. I don't like it. My mind's going everywhere. Well, actually, they didn't have that option. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, yeah. Anyway, on that note, we're going to go very shortly across to the main room where Martin is going to bring us uh, part two. two of the series. So we're just waiting to go across. Oh, enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it. Come on up, Martin. I'll pray for you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Martin, for all the gifts that you've given him. We praise he's prepared this message um, that he would just relax, listen to your spirit and be directed by you and that we each would open our hearts and our ears to hear the message you would have us here today and be changed forevermore. Amen. I think growing up as a child in the 80s, for me, war was a very exciting prospect. Uh, at that time, uh, veterans from the Second World War were very much part of society, not yet sidelined by age or fragility. And uh, my, both my grandparents, my, my grandfathers were served in the forces, one in the RAF and one in the Art Royal Artillery. And war films were a plenty on TV. And I used to love watching them. I used to get delivered to the newsagent every week. The Commando magazine, War in Pictures, I found very exciting, which went alongside my Victor and uh, Hotspur annuals that had stories of daring do and heroic actions from various conflicts. I remember when I was probably about the age my eldest daughter is now, my mum uh, coming in to wake me up and telling me that we'd started uh, a war, uh, the first Gulf War. And I remember how excited I was and I had newspaper clippings I cut out and kept, which went with my various war memorabilia and things about military aircraft. And I attended tattoos. I attended um, air shows. And war was very, very much an exciting prospect for a young lad. But as I've grown older and possibly as perhaps the way we show war on our screens have changed, we started and I've started to see the horror of war that was maybe hidden by those stories of heroics that I loved so much. And we can see on our TV screens and we can hear it in our podcasts and whatever it is that you use to access the news, the stories of hate and rhetoric, the segregation as people take sides and even conflicts thousands of miles away we see in our streets in this country yesterday being an example. We can see the destruction that is so difficult to contain. And we can sometimes wonder when we look at these conflicts, how on earth is this ever going to stop? We can be shocked by the pictures we see, but I wouldn't necessarily say that we're surprised. Shocked but not surprised, because war and conflict, hate 
and pain has very much been part of the human condition pretty much as long as humans have been around. It's a part of life. We may not like it, but we kind of understand it. And even if the reasons for conflict are well hidden, they are there if we dig deep enough. And what we see writ large on our screens, what we see on the macro with wars and conflicts, we also see in our communities as well. Separation, antagonization, distrust, greed. If you don't believe me, just look at the Holy Life Facebook page. And perhaps you maybe even experience that in your own lives. Friends, neighbors, family. It seems so natural, so normal to have conflict and separation in our lives, all giving us good reason to protect our own interests. And maybe we're left wondering, how do we manage this? See, in the Bible times, uh, time of Jesus, it was well known, a rule that had been given by God to the nation of Israel, a rule that was there to prevent the endless cycle of revenge. It was a rule that about a proportionate retribution, proportionate retaliation. It was, um, you find it in Exodus, you find it in Leviticus, you find it in Deuteronomy. And I'm going to read to you from um, just Deut- Leviticus 24, verse 20. And it gives you pretty much what that rule is. It says, anyone who takes the life of a human being is to be put to death. Anyone who takes the life of someone's animal must make restitution, life for life. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. Now, to our Western ears, this sounds rather gruesome, but I guess it's fair. And maybe it's something that is so needed Remember on a day like this, the First World War, where the assassination of one man led to the death of 17 million others. One man leads to the death of 17 million others. And that's just one war. Actually, if we followed that rule, maybe that would have been an end to that conflict. See, this was the justice that was well known to Jesus. Actually, he picks up on this particular rule in his Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read to you from Matthew 38. You might want to grab a Bible or look it up on, in, uh, on your phones. Um, and I'm going to look at a passage in Matthew and then two passages in John. This is what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And all those people sitting around going, yeah, yeah, we understand that. And that works. Yeah, that's part of our rules. But Jesus goes on. But I tell you. Do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, turn over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, you might be thinking, well, obviously Jesus had it easier in his day. But let's just think a little bit about the context here. This is the nation of Israel. 
which we're hearing so much in our news at the moment, Jerusalem and surrounding area, once again, where we hear so much in our news at the moment. And it was occupied by the Roman army, who dominated by force. And there was lots of groups that were rising up amongst the Israelite people, such as the zealots, who would use violence to fight against their Roman oppressors. In fact, probably some of Jesus' disciples who were young, fiery men would probably have been part of those groups or at least sympathetic to them. And if you look later on, when Jesus was arrested, Peter, one of the lead disciples, Peter, who would go on to be the heads of the church, took his sword out and struck off the ear of one of the guards that went to arrest Jesus. Not exactly following the rules. See, the context that Jesus is speaking into is a context of violence, segregation, separation, and oppression. And if we just look at those first, those first, those, those situations that Jesus refers to, so he says, anyone who slapped you on the right cheek, so person right-handed, because you didn't really have left-handed people in those days, they weren't allowed to be, he's slapping with a hand, the right cheek, it's a backhanded slap, which actually was a a, an offence in the Jewish nation that you could take to court because it was seen as contemptuous. It wasn't a punch, it was a... And if anyone wants to see you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Well, that seems really strange. Someone takes you a court, to court, you just let them get away with it? I'm not sure I like that idea. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go within two miles. So the Roman soldiers could get anyone and just take their pack and walk, walk one mile. They're allowed to get them to walk one mile. And Jesus says, walk two. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So this, what Jesus is saying here just seems crazy. It doesn't seem to have an understanding of the human condition. It doesn't seem to have an understanding of what seems, what's normal in our lives, in our world, in our community. And yet he was asking for a selflessness, us to be non-combatant, to offer no retaliation. Now, Jesus is very much speaking to individuals. here. I'm, I'm not going to go into arguments for pacifism or anything like that. It gets, starts getting complicated then. But Jesus is talking to those individuals, those people in front of him, and saying, if you're going to be a follower of me, then this is how you act. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Once again, something found in the Jewish and Israelite uh, uh, rules. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, this is craziness. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit with the the way things work. It's very easy for us to look at this and try and diminish what Jesus is saying here. And we've all, as with all biblical passages, things are not quite as simple as we would like them to be. And yet these are the teachings that describe the characteristics that should make Jesus' followers should make Christians stand out as unique. They are radical, and they should be. 
Now, I want to explore a little bit about a little bit further there about this concept of love. Because what does it mean by love your enemies? Does it mean you give them a big sloppy kiss? That's not what Jesus is talking about here. And I want to go to another time where Jesus mentions the word love. And it's found in John chapter 13. And this is a time when um, John records the last moments that Jesus has alone with his disciples. He shared what we would call the Last Supper uh, with them. He's washed their feet. And then he has a few large, those last words, those important things that he wants to share with his disciples before he goes off the next day to be uh, executed. He's arrested that night and executed. And he says this in verse 12 of John chapter 13. It says, my commands, now a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. But then he goes on to say to his disciples that he's going to be going. And the disciples pick up on that. They're a bit concerned. You know, where are you going? And how are we going to follow you? And, and what's going to happen? And they kind of push this idea of love to one side because they've heard it all before. I mean, Jesus had said that if you want to sum up all the rules of the, the Old Testament and all the, the rules that God's given us as a nation, and it's love God and love each other as, as ourselves. We get this love stuff, but you said you're going. And, they come, and Jesus goes on and tries to explain what's happening. But it's really important they get this idea, get this command, because in chapter 15, he says again in verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That verse we pick up so much on a day like this, Remembrance Sunday, when we remember those who laid down their lives. And sometimes we fall into the same trap I did as a young child, where I see death as something heroic, something exciting, something to be admired. And yet, what Jesus is talking about here is his death, on the cross, no retaliation, no fighting back, seemingly losing to the Roman authorities, dying in a horrific way. That's what Jesus is referring to. And the new bits, Jesus said this is a new command. How is it new? How is it different to the time that Jesus has said love before? And it's new because Jesus is saying it's new because you're going to be loving like I loved you. And I'm about to show you what love is by dying on the cross. That's a sort of love you should have. That's a sort of love that will tell the world that you are my disciples. That's a sort of love that will set you apart from everyone else. It's not proportionate. It's not fair. It's not justice. There's nothing fair about the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son.
we're looking at rebranding the church or church rebranded. And it's based on uh, a book that's just come out by uh, a pastor called Jeff Jones called Rebranding Christianity. And he says this, he says, it's interesting to note what Jesus did not choose as our differentiating, differentiating characteristics. Our morality, frequency of worship, views on cultural issues, our ability to win arguments don't define us. Instead, our Jesus-given brand identifier can be boiled down to one very powerful word. Love. Is that what sets the church apart from everyone else? Is that what we are known for? Not just loving our friends, because anyone can do that, but loving our enemies, not retaliating. See, next week, I'm going to be picking up very much the practicalities of this, how we can be brand ambassadors, how we can show love. And it's very much picking up on the idea that the early church took this teaching of Jesus and ran with it. It's phenomenal what they did and what they put up with and what they sacrificed. And they changed the world by doing it. But if I'm honest with myself, and if I'm honest with you, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do what Jesus is asking. I struggle to let my daughter had the last piece of pepperoni pizza, let alone be willing to give my life and act selflessly and not fight back, to put love above everything else. I think I can do that. It is impossible because that is not the human condition. That is not what we've seen through human history. And yet the Bible makes it clear that what's impossible for man is possible for God. And the only way we can start to make the impossible possible is to allow God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit, into our hearts to change us. And the Bible tells us a fruit of being filled with the Holy Spirit, amongst others, is love. I don't know if I'll ever get this sorted. I won't get this sorted in my lifetime. But at least it can be a direction to walk in. At least I can pray to God that he will continually change me through the work of his Holy Spirit within me so that I might become a more loving person. Not love as the world defines it, but love as Jesus defines it. That through the work of the Holy Spirit, the impossible might become possible in my life because following jesus is not about following rules it's about direction we are going in the benchmark that we're comparing ourselves against the things that we are pursuing in our lives i want to be like jesus so i pray come holy spirit come fill me change me and make me more loving, like Jesus. It's going to be a chance to reflect.
with some questions. And I just want to pray for you guys. Uh, but let's let's listen to these questions. Is Jesus' command to love as he loved a realistic one? Is love the dominant defining attribute of the UK church? Do you truly know that you are loved by God? Does that knowledge influence your actions so they become more loving? Thank you, Martin. Yeah, thank you. Good, yeah. good, 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 and uh, fits in beautifully with Remembrance Sunday. You know, sort of, yeah. Um, it sounds like someone planned that. Well, amazing. Um, so looking at those questions, hope you had a chance to think about them. Uh, the second one stuck out is love the dominant defining attribute of the UK church. Hmm. I don't know. No, I think it depends who you talk to. Yeah. I think there are some people who would say, yeah, like, like think about people outside the church, thinking yeah. about, you know, people who aren't part of the UK church, um, who aren't part of sort of church globally. What do they think of the UK church? And I reckon a lot would say, yeah, actually, it's full of great people. Like, mm -hmm. they often run the local food banks, mm -hmm. like in Hawley, yeah. the Hawley food bank is run by the churches. Yeah. Um, they often do mm -hmm. things like, we've got winter night shelter. It sounds like I'm bringing up the things that we do but they come to mind where we've got yeah. you know people from the streets who are coming to sleep on our floor and actually actually like put our bed sort of thing we've got people who are you know in the UK churches often very good at being loving mm. there will be some people's experience of the church who is mm. completely the opposite end of the spectrum um and there sometimes there's you know a rhyme and reason why sometimes uh, there's not that's right and sometimes Think things that you see on the news or stories that may headlines are usually the stories where the church is, doesn't appear to be demonstrating yeah. as um, does mentioned last week. Oh, did he? It did. Oh well, you know, and you'd be always hear the stories where, where churches maybe aren't as inclusive as they could be. Yeah. Um, and you need to be careful. <laughs> I say you were talking about politics and said last week, you know, but you look at the American church and American politics, and you know, yeah. a lot of that doesn't look very welcoming and very no. loving. No. Um, but so I suppose. I suppose it's down, it is, it's down to us, isn't it? It's down yeah. to us to change that brand if the brand is not, if we're not seen as loving. Um, and I think you're right. I think it depends who you talk to, yeah. what people's experiences are um, in the UK. Yeah, and what their, what their, yeah, what their experiences and also what the church's experiences. Because, like, I've been to some churches. I've grown up in the church. I do love Jesus. I've been to some churches and I'm like, I'm not sure that you're doing Jesus here. Like, yeah, yeah, there, yeah. And, but there are some churches you go to, you're like, oh, this is obviously a really loving community. Mm -hmm. There are some you go into, and like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Mm. Um, and, and it's difficult, know. isn't it? Because you think all the people in those churches yes. are people who 
who are Christians, who yeah. who love Jesus. And, yeah. and so maybe it's just something that we really need to work on. Yeah. No, and I know that I I can you know, I can have attitudes or you know I can think I'm always right or I can put myself first and you know we really have to sort of look at ourselves, don't we? And, yeah. and again look back at Jesus and what Jesus was saying about you know turning the other cheek and um, I think it just it starts yeah. it does start with us, doesn't it? Yeah, it starts with us. Very much so. Well, some food for thought this week as you go out into the week. So um, if you've got any questions about anything you've heard this morning or anything else to do with anything really. Um, you can email us at gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk and then somebody will get back to you. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you've enjoyed it, why not share it with somebody else? I'm going to go back and listen to the podcast from last week because I missed that one. So uh, you can do something and find it wherever you get your podcast from. And obviously you can find this on YouTube. Indeed. And if you think actually this has been really helpful, maybe you've got someone in your life who sort of is a little bit, suspicious of the church going actually but are they as loving as they say they are because you know is jesus some people will say you know is jesus as loving as he is as like everyone says he is because the church isn't living that out send this to them yeah um because actually say yeah it's the church that have messed up not jesus yeah yeah absolutely. this sort of thing and actually you know so send this along to them or maybe you don't know who those are post it on your socials and you never know who'll find it absolutely right so let's go out this week and be brand ambassadors is that the expression? Very good. For Jesus. Okay, so we're going to draw our time together to a close. Indeed. A couple of notices. We've got one notice. One it's notice. the men's curry night. Now, I think we might have a little image I can, that we can put on the screen, um, which might have a barcode on it. It might, I might, it might be there. There it is. Hey. So that is this Tuesday, and it's in Hawley, and it's £20, and there are a couple of spaces left. If you want to come, you can either email there, as it says, Martin, or you can, you might got questions if you like, or you can scan that code and that will take you directly to the booking page. Um, and it's £20 for a three-course meal yeah. with bring-your-own-drinks. Yes. So it's good, I think it's good value. Oh, it's good value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Much so we can't go. No. 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 Oh, I don't know. Inclusive. Oh, brutal. <laughs> <laughs> no, Very so good. you may have a good time. We um, The women will be in. Um. The only thing I want to keep wanting to mention is that Christmas is coming up. Way. And I was just about to share the date a date with you, but I can't remember what it is. <laughs> so keep your eyes open for the Carols in the Car Park, which we run on a Sunday. I think it might be the tenth. The ninth or tenth, whatever that's yeah, it's Sunday the tenth. Oh, look at this. Oh. Uh, so Carols in the Car Park is on Sunday the tenth, and I want you to get that date in your diary because that's the one thing that's you know out of the ordinary. Yes. Um so if you can come and help with that, it'll be a sign up for yeah. next week. Um it's great. We have, you know, candy floss and popcorn and pancakes and pop dogs and carols in the car park and That's kids craft kids craft last year we had loads of snow um so, so much yeah and real snow last real year. snow last year yeah and then on the 17th in the evening is our carols by candlelight service so just get those two dates in your diary there'll be more dates coming out but those are the ones that are different yeah. from a normal sunday service so get those yeah. in your diary and i think that's about it perfect um thank you for joining us i'll say we will see you. Well, we won't see you next week because there's someone else sat here. Don't know who it is. Someone else will be sat here next week. Yeah. Um, and Martin will be bringing us part three on Church Rebranded. Um, but before we head out, let's listen to that one final anthemic song. Anthemic. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going with it. Um, as we actually declare that God is great and his faithfulness is bigger than anything or anywhere. So I'm going to hand over to the HBC choir. Yeah, enjoy looking at for some faces from a couple of years ago. Enjoy. Yeah. Take care. See you soon.